From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome back to the Anxiety Project podcast. This episode is number 89. I am Brad Robinson and today's podcast is another Q&A. I love doing these Q&As because I get a lot of great questions and you can still send me your questions for a future Q&A or if you have questions in general that you want to talk about, you can message me on social media you can leave comments on the YouTube videos, but message me. You can even go to the Anxiety Project website at unpluganxiety.com and under the contact page or at any of the bottom of the pages, there's a contact form. You can fill those out and I'll get them and I'll respond to you if you have any questions. So send me your questions and I, I get a lot of great questions. So I put together three powerful questions in this uh, podcast episode that I found really powerful and very useful for you who is currently going through uh, anxiety, this life challenge. So here is question number one. I'm having difficulty letting go of the negative friends in my life. I just can't seem to say no when they ask to get together. I know they are negative, but I seem to, sorry, but I can't seem to break away. What can I do? And this is from Tara. Great question because this was something I had difficulty with when I was going through my recovery. And I can tell from this question, from the wording, that there are possible underlying fears. And I, I know this because I went through something similar. I had these underlying fears of being alone. I had these fears of hurting those people or that friend's feelings by saying no. You know, I don't want to hang out or no, you know. I don't want to be a friend to you anymore. So this is difficult. So let's unravel this question. Now, when I began to, my uh, transformation from anxiety suffered to the ideal Brad, I was ignoring my friend's calls at first. Then I began to make excuses, in other words, lies, to why I can't hang out. I had these fears of hurting him if I told the truth. But more importantly, I didn't know how to tell the truth. And we've been friends for over 10 years. So as you can imagine, breaking off a friendship for that long or or finally telling the truth can be quite fearful. And the reason why it was so fearful for me was I was so agreeable. I was so agreeable 
and I always supported his habits and he always supported my habits and we fed off of each other and I found it difficult to really tell him the honest truth because I was always fearful of hurting his feelings because he was a sensitive guy and I was a sensitive guy and we were much alike in that manner. So I had a, I had a lot of fears of telling him the truth, getting it out there, telling him how I actually feel about his behavior and and so I kept it inside. So then I began my recovery journey and then I was ignoring his calls. I was ignoring our, our friendship in general because I was so fixated on getting over my anxiety because I was suffering so deeply from agoraphobia, health anxiety, and my focus was on just overcoming this sensitization in my life. But something happened when I was ignoring him and, and, and feeding lies to him about what, uh, what was going on and making excuses to not hang out. I did notice, though, that things started to become better in my life the more I was away from that negative friend or friends in general. That was interesting. I was on a mission to improve my life. And the more I changed my mindset in my daily habits, the more distant my relationships became. You know, we were still contacting each other and talking on the phone, but the the spa- the distance between our hangouts became more and more. It grew. We were hanging out three, four times, five times a week. And then it started to shrink two times. Then we started to talk on the phone more. Then it shrunk down to one time. And then during my recovery, it was no times. Maybe sometimes on the phone. And so I changed my mindset. I changed my daily habits. And the more distant the relationships became. So think of a graph in your mind and the ideal you, that endpoint, the person that you want to become is at the top of the page. There's this little mark. That's the ideal you. Then there's a line that's moving up and down, but it's on its way towards that ideal you, towards that endpoint. Then... There's a line below that line, that's your line, well, the one that's going up and down towards that ideal endpoint is your line, and then there's a line below that, and that's horizontal, and it's not moving much, and it's not moving towards a higher ideal. The more you improve and grow, and kill off parts of your old self, the further apart those lines become until eventually there will be nothing in common between you and that friend or friends. So there's this line that's going up and down 
towards this ideal you, but it's still rising. It's going up and down, but it's rising up. And then there's that line below that line, which is your friends or negative friends. It's just staying stagnant, but it's just horizontal. It's just moving. It's staying the same, right? And you don't want to stay the same. You don't want to stay that anxious person, that depressed person, not improving yourself, not killing off old parts of you. You want to grow. But there's going to be setbacks. That's why that line is going up and down a little bit, right? There's a little setback here, but it's ultimately moving up, up and up and up towards that ideal you. Now, one of the major issues with alcoholics is that after they get out of rehab, they are placed in the same environment that triggers their drinking. They go back to the same apartment, that same house. You know, they're hang- they're hanging around the same people that supported their drinking and they end up relapsing, right? They have to find new friends because those old friends only support their drinking. That's why it's so difficult for alcoholics to overcome their addictions. Right? or drug users, to overcome their drug use. There's so many triggers in their external world that triggers that neuropathway, that, that addiction, right? So I suggest you tell those negative friends the truth. Tell them that you are having certain life challenges and that you need time for yourself. They may support you. They may help you if they are a true friend. This is where you figure out who your friends actually are. A good friend is someone who wants the best for you and someone who celebrates your accomplishments rather than changing the topic back onto themselves. When you begin your recovery journey, you then see who your friends really are. They may change as well once they see how much your life has improved. They may do that. Or they remain the same and the differences between you and them become large enough to disintegrate the friendship altogether. Those friends may even pull you down with them. Oh, you know, have this cigarette, you know, you look stressed. Or have this drink. Or, you know, let's just hang out and eat junk food and and watch TV. Or they may even talk about themselves too much and not even pay attention to what's really going on in your life. And I have experience with this. I've had times where I accomplished something and then a friend would change the subject and and put themselves in the spotlight. Oh yeah, I had this accomplishment back, you know, a couple of years ago and and so forth, right? Have you ever had a friend like that? Well, I have. And so they may drag you down. 
So when you start to change and overcome your life challenges, when you start to improve yourself, you, when you start to kill off all those parts of you that just don't work for you anymore, they may follow you. They may see, oh, look at Brad, he, how much he's changed. Things got so much better in his life. I want to change as well. So they may ask for your help. They may come on board with you, but they may not. They may hit that resistance and stay in their old ways. And then the lines between you two, remember the graph metaphor? Well, the lines get further and further apart and your relationships grow further and further apart. And then you don't have anything in common with each other anymore. That happened to me, but it also happened to my fiance Maggie as well. She kept improving her life. Things got better for her. She started to drop bad habits, but her friends continued the bad habits and I saw their relationships grow further apart. I could tell when we were all hanging out together that the differences between her and them got significantly different because of how much she was changing her old ways. She was killing off parts of her that you know weren't serving her anymore. She was growing and her friends, they were engaging in the same bad habits that they were always doing since high school. You have to kill parts of you to grow up, right? To grow into someone new. You have to constantly change to make things in your life better, right? And I saw their relationships just grow apart. And change is necessary for living a more meaningful life. Change is necessary. Necessary. We need the tools. We need the right tools. We need the right techniques to handle the challenges of life, to make things better in our lives. So thanks, Tara, for this great question. Um, I get this a lot. And uh, thank you for sending in that question. The second question is, I have trouble leaving the house to go for a walk and to go to the store. Every time I leave, I feel panicky and end up going back home. Can you please help? This is from Marcus. Thank you, Marcus, for your question. I suffered from the same thing when I was going through my anxiety disorder. I was suffering from agoraphobia and this is the fear of being in a public environment and dying and not having any other like family or emergency personnel close by to help you. And also making a fool of yourself while you die, right? The, the judgments of other people. So a lot of people tend to stay at home in their safe zone and, and avoid those public situations. The one thing you don't want to do is run out of an environment that is making you panic. 
You do not want to do that. When you do, you strengthen the fear of that environment and you avoid it. And you avoid environments that are similar to the one you ran away from. The fear increases twofold. If you run out of a concert venue, you then begin to avoid crowded places in general. You don't want to strengthen that fear. You want to attach safety to the environment. What you want to do is strengthen a new pathway. So you have to remain in the environment. You have to ride that wave of panic. There's ways to handle that situation. Engage in three by three by three breathing. Three seconds in through the nose. Hold for three seconds. And then three seconds out the nose or out the mouth. Just engage in rhythmic breathing. Engage in self-talk as well. You know, if this kills me, let it kill me. I had enough of this. I had enough of living this kind of life. I need to stay in this environment in order for my anxiety to lessen. You are facing that dragon of chaos when you are staying in that environment, the one that is causing you to feel panicky. When your anxiety goes from a level 9 or 10 down to a level 3 or 4, you can then leave because you've attached safety to this environment. You've calmed down your system. You have to prove to your system that this environment is not a threat to your life. So when you do stay, new pathways are being formed. You are proving to yourself that you will not die. In this situation, and situations like this situation, even though you may feel like dying. And believe me, I've had those panic attacks where I thought this was the one that was going to get me. This is the panic attack that I am going to die from. So continual exposure to environments is necessary for that desensitization. It won't happen the first time. Like me going to those concert venues, I had a panic attack while I was sitting in a concert venue with Maggie. We were at a symphony and I felt panicky. I felt like I wanted to get out of there. I felt trapped. I felt like my heart was going to beat out of my chest. I felt like I was going to faint. I felt like I was going to be sick. All of those symptoms and feelings I had, but I stayed. And then when I went back to that concert venue, my anxiety lessened a little bit, but I was still really anxious. I was still panicky. And so, but it was less. And then the next time I went, it was a little less, but I was still panicky. And then the next time, you know, less. And then until now, I can go and my anxiety is 
one, not even a one. I am so comfy in that venue because I proved to that part of my brain, my anxiety systems, that this place is not a threat to my life. It's in, it's in fact safe. I can be here and survive this environment. So it may take you five times or 20 times to feel fully desensitized. But each time that you expose yourself, your anxiety does lessen. So begin the desensitization process, Marcus, by going out for a walk and keep pushing your boundaries. So go for that walk. Face that dragon. When you get to that two blocks and you begin to feel anxious, stay. Stay right where you are and sit with it. Sit with your anxiety. Go into acceptance mode. Then when your anxiety lessens, come back home. And then the next time, go three blocks from your house. And then the next time, go four blocks from your house. But keep facing that pain. Keep facing that anxiety. Because the more you do that, the more you desensitize yourself. You become braver. Once you conquer those walks, go to the coffee shop. Well, once COVID is safe, right? And sit inside that coffee shop for an hour. You'll find that public places aren't as anxiety producing because you've gotten braver from those walks. You slayed the dragons when you went out for those walks, when you conquered those walks, when you stayed, when you were feeling panicky and anxious. So once you slay dragons, you have the confidence and strength to slay other dragons. You start to feel stronger in those other public environments because you got braver from those panicky walks, right? You conquered those dragons. And then when you go to the mall or when you go to that concert venue, you're going to be braver because you've slayed those other dragons. You have the confidence now to slay those dragons now. So thank you, Marcus, for your question. And I hope it helps you and those listening uh, sensitized to those public environments that make them feel anxious. Awesome question. Number three, I'm going to be a little quick on this question. How long did it take for you to recover? And this is from Jen. Well, well, it took me four to five months to desensitize myself from anxiety. And sometimes it takes you three months. I've seen clients go through this process in three months. Could maybe even take you two months. But the thing is, once you get into these new habits that you're developing for yourself, you're going to continue the recovery process for the rest of your life. It's not the recovery process, I should say. I mean the maintenance stage 
of this recovery journey, right? To maintain a healthy mindset, to maintain a developing mindset, you have to continuously challenge yourself and do the routines. Like if I, w- if I were to stop my morning and night routines, I would start to feel pretty crappy because I have these morning and night routines that help me prepare for the day and for sleep. They help calm my system. When I engage in meditation and stretching and exercise, I'm, I'm engaging and activating the parasympathetic nervous system, which is my rest and digest system. Well, maybe not with exercise, I should say, but my the exercise does help that parasympathetic nervous system once you're done exercising, right? You feel better. You feel, you feel relaxed and calm after rigorous exercise. And so I do all of these habits to maintain a healthy mind, a healthy body. I eat the right foods. If I was to go off my diet and eat junk food, I'm going to feel crappy. I'm going to feel tired. I'm going to feel sluggish. I might even have more anxiety. If I were to stay up at night and not get enough sleep, I'm going to feel anxious. I'm going to feel depressed. I'm going to feel horrible. So I constantly maintain my health, my mental health, my physical health by having a structured day and week right? I have those morning routines, those night routines, but during the day I'll read. I will uh, engage in meaningful conversations, perhaps with Maggie or my family. I will spend time in nature because I find that I connect more with the earth and with myself when I spend quality time with myself and I'm not in front of the TV or playing video games, right? So what do you do daily that is contributing to your higher self or what are you not doing daily that's, you know, impacting the ideal you that you've always wanted to become, Great question. It took me four to five months. It really did take me a a long time. I had to peel all of these layers off the onion. I had a lot of trauma that I needed to confront. I needed to change all of my daily habits and I needed to kill off parts of me that, you know, didn't serve me. I was entertaining negative friends. I was, I wasn't eating the right foods. So there was a lot to work on, but it's a maintenance stage after your recovery. You need to continue practicing the new you that you became. Because if I got rid of my morning routine or if I didn't get the right sleep, I slip back into the old Brad and I don't want that. So I'm always going to work on myself. I'm always going to challenge myself. Right now, I'm doing the Wim Hof Challenge, the 30-day Wim Hof Challenge. So every day for the next month, I'm 
doing the Wim Hof breathing method every day. So that's like half an hour where I'm doing intense breathing. And so that's a challenge I'm working on right now. And it's going quite well. I love doing these challenges because it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me improving myself. So that's where I'm going to leave you. On today's podcast episode, thank you for your questions. And make sure you send me your questions on YouTube or go to my contact page at unpluganxiety.com. Send me your questions and I will answer. And lastly, do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and has the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. What are you waiting for? Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.